Hey folks, it's time for another episode of the High Power Archery Podcast. Back after what seems like forever, it's been about three and a half months since my last podcast, and a lot of people have been asking me what's going on. I'm still here, obviously, as I'm recording this right now. Some things have been up and down, just for those who were interested, and I am still able to do the stuff that I've been doing, trying to coach a little bit here and there. Students are doing well. Had some pretty serious medical stuff going on yet again. I'm not going to get into exactly what happened or where it's still going, but people who know me, well, like I say, if you run into me, be happy to talk about any time. But regardless of the fact, I'm still here. So, with all this time that's gone by, people have been asking me a lot of different questions, and I'm working with a new crop of students, some of which are really, really good. Some just came to me as green or shooting other disciplines, and the one thing I try to do with all my new students, whether they're adults or their kids, is everybody starts out with a clean slate on the same level playing field, and then we try to find where we can enhance them, and the key being enhance because if you use the word fix with students that implies that something is wrong and there's not always something wrong with people a lot of times what it has to do is they never properly learned something so it's more of what are they missing instead of what's messed up or what you need to fix so we look at our approach to teaching folks as enhancing what they already have and making it better. And when they don't have a certain skill, then we go ahead and we try to help them gain it. So the subject of today's podcast is something that's been coming up for a while in the last couple of weeks, and I'm seeing a lot more of it especially, and it's involving releases. How to release the string on the bow the best way. Now, this applies to both finger shooters who are shooting recurves, Olympic recurve, traditional, doesn't make a difference, or shooting compound with a release mechanism. Okay? Now, we know I've done other podcasts in the past on release 101, the total release solution, and all that covers how to get the most out of your release, getting to know it, getting to get the operation to be fluid, getting everything to work. But the one thing I see is that, again, it's not about fixing things. It's more about enhancing them. And some people come to me, actually the majority of them come to me, and they're missing something with how they get their release, whether it's fingers or mechanical, to work properly. And no such example has been happening more and more, okay, than with what I'm seeing with a lot of students who are coming to me who are shooting the NASP program or the National Archery in the Schools program because they shoot a Genesis bow and they shoot with fingers. But as they try to transition to shooting compound, you know, the one thing that they are a little concerned is, well, I'm still shooting in school. I want to pick up compound because I really want to compete in like Joad or something like that. 
But I don't want to be torn between two disciplines. And in some cases, I'm hearing about coaches who are saying, you're doing one or the other, but you're not doing both. So we'll just start from the basics, okay? Just from the get-go, some people are going to say, wait a second. You know, finger shooters, they don't use a release. Release shooters, they don't really use their fingers. But like I said, they're both related and both are really, really tied in together. So if you really think about it, the hand and the fingers are just a built-in release mechanism. Viewing it in that way, the mechanical release is just an extension of our built-in release system. And like I said, I've touched on that in the past. Now, as I said before, I was working with a student who had recently switched from fingers to release on her new compound. She was going from a Genesis bow, which shoots, which she shoots in school, and will continue to shoot, as I said, to a diamond compound that is set up for a target uh, shooting with a release. So in setting up and getting her ready to do this, that question came up again. Which one does she shoot? The Genesis or the target rig? So it was like a big problem because they didn't want her to start one and forget how to shoot it and then start school again where she's going to shooting be shooting the genesis the most of the time and be starting at a disadvantage because now it's like she has to learn it all over again you know i told her well you don't have to worry about that you're going to shoot both and the first thing i heard was isn't she going to get confused matter of fact another coach that was on the range when I was working, I was like, she shouldn't be doing that because I had her with both bows. And they're like, dude, you're going to freak her out. She's going to get confused. I'm like, really? Okay. Well, like I said, there are people that from get-go are going to be there just saying that students are supposed to stay sharp on, on a finger setup. And trying to get good with a target setup and release is just going to be detrimental towards them. And like I say, it's a common thing that I see coaching Joe at, especially now that the NAS program is growing and I'm getting so many crossover students. And what I find out is a lot of times they're told, hey, it's one or the other, like I said, and they feel that they have to give up one. Or in the case of if they're really shooting NASP every single year like they go into the state you know, shoot-offs and stuff like that, they're not being given the choice. They're being told, you have to give it up. So, like, we're kind of going in circles there. But, like I said, you can do both. And here's the bare metal explanation. And it all has to do with, like, the title of this episode, Release 102, The Missing Link. Like, literally. So, here it goes. You have to keep the base principle the same. And I'm not going to get overly technical with this, but... It's really kind of simple when you think about it. Whether you're using a mechanical release of fingers, the release is just that, the part of the mechanism that caused the execution of the movement. The dumbed-down version of that, it's the one that makes the bow go boom and shoots the arrow. Okay, maybe not boom, but bang, whatever. Now, what people almost never mention is that you can become an expert in the release itself and still have issues. And this is why you see folks switching 
from release to release to different types of release. Oh, the new one just came out. Let me try that. Or, hey, this guy's got this shiny new one over there. It must be better than what I've got because mine gives me problems all the time. Let me switch to that. Now, like I said, you can become an expert if you stick with it on the release itself. Okay? And still have issues. And people wonder why. So as I break down everything to make it simple, let's look at it like it's a recipe of some kind. The key ingredient is the release actuator. What's actually contacting the string and making it go off? What's releasing it? Either fingers or the mechanism. Remember, it's just a mechanism. So the mechanism is just, if you're using a, you know, like a, trigger release or something like that. It's just an extension of your built-in release, your built-in release being your fingers. We add it to enhance it. It's like when when you see one of these tools they sell at Home Depot with Lowe's, it's like, here it is. It's our you know super high-energy rechargeable unit, and you can turn it into a leaf blower. You can turn it into this. You can turn it into that just by changing the attachments. Well, your fingers are that base mechanism, and we just add attachments to it. And some people treat it like they are something you'd find in Home Depot because they're constantly changing that attachment there, trying to find the right thing that's going to work. It's not a miracle around people. You, you really can't like just swap things and expect them all to work. Yeah, you can become an expert in what that particular implement does, but you still have to understand that there's more to the recipe to make the total release solution go off. So the other key, so we said the first key ingredient is the mechanism, whether it's going to be your fingers or the release mechanism itself, which is acting as an extension of the fingers themselves. The other key ingredient is the body itself. Now you're going to say, wait a minute, a release is just a release, you know, involves back tension and all this stuff. And, that's what I hear everybody talking about, back tension. That must be the only way to fire a release. Well, back tension is part of your mechanism. Not the one that you're adding to yourself or your built-in fingers mechanism. It's part of the overall mechanism that has to be put together. So back tension is just a very, very small part. Now, the rest of it has to come together. And that includes your shoulder, what it's doing, your alignment, the angle of pull, rocker position, all those things. And this is why people, no matter what they do, they can buy the most expensive release in the world and wind up having problems with it. Or better yet, be shooting with it one day and just find, hey, it's going off too hard one day, it's going off... Too, too light one day. Something is wrong. I don't know what's happening. Oh, my God. I've got to do something about this. Yeah, you can tell that, like, as I get the tone in my voice, I hear this an awful lot. But the fact is, when I see this sort of thing, it's because they're talking just about and focusing just on the part that touches the string, the mechanism. You can have a Ferrari with the most gorgeous looking, 
you know, exterior in the world. It looks like it costs $300,000, whatever it is. But if you don't have the engine on the inside, it's not worth $300,000. doesn't roll fast, doesn't do anything. If it's got a really cheap engine in it, which is not a Ferrari engine, it's not going to run properly. You put the wrong tires on it, it's not going to run the same. Rough explanation, but you get the idea. It's the same thing here. So your release, without all the other things that add into it, is just that. A release that, if something in the balance is off, is not going to work. And a lot of people wind up blaming the mechanism instead of looking at the whole picture for what's going on. So that's why I call it the missing link. The missing link has to be the part of you or the part of your technique, your alignment, in your form, anything like that, that's not getting it done properly. Now, let's just say that one day you're shooting perfectly, but the next day you got kind of a sore shoulder or something like that. So that's causing you to favor one particular muscle over the other. All of a sudden, you don't realize it. Your alignment's out. The release doesn't fire right, but you're blaming the release. It's got something to do with the release. It's not the release. It's you. It's the upset imbalance so let's just start with this a good finger shooter okay can transition to a release and back to fingers without any real issue if they have the total package of what's going on because remember finger shooters have to rely on everything working more efficiently because There's more random stuff that can happen. And if they don't use the repeatability, they fall apart. So as a result, they're more in tune with with what's going on with the different parts of angle of release, different parts of where they're pulling with their shoulders. Now, that's not saying the the compound shooters were using a a release are any slouches. They're not. But in my opinion and the way that I've seen this happen and how I work with my kids and adults who are going from finger shooting, whether it's a compound or a recurve, and transitioning over to a release, it's like you, it's improperly taught. Well, you start off with this and then you gradually move up to this. And a lot of people do say that, you know, it's that instant gratification thing. Why would I take six months to learn how to shoot a recurve when I can shoot a compound with a release way faster? Partially true. The fact is that when you're shooting with a mechanical release, you can get away with a little more. For one, you're not holding all that pressure inside your fingers. Like when someone's shooting fingers, they generally are holding more pressure on the pads of their fingers. So there are some shortcuts involved. But as I said, a good finger shooter who has all his principles together, he's using proper back tension. He's actually knowing how to load, how to come to full draw, how to transfer the holes, how to execute. Okay? All you're doing when you give them a mechanical release is giving them an extension to their fingers. 
And if they keep it all the same, it works perfectly. And that's where the thing where, where people say, well, they should learn how to shoot with a recurve or, or something like that, finger shooting first. It was never to be, well, you got to do some punishment in this and then you can move on to the easy stuff. No, originally it was meant so that people can learn how to use their entire body to become more efficient and then all we do is enhance it. Remember I said we don't correct anything. We enhance it. We make it better. And I want to stress this. Telling somebody you're doing it wrong or saying that's screwed up doesn't get them anywhere. If anything, it sets them back more. But if you say, we're going to make that better. You can. So, here's where we're going to get into everything, like I mentioned. The shoulder, the alignment, and all that. Think of it as you're trying to pull a trigger, okay, on anything, on a cannon, whatever. But you can't get a good hold on, on a rope to to pull the actuating mechanism. Because if you pull it one way, it doesn't work. Pull it another way, it doesn't work. But you have to pull it just perfectly, and it'll go off. It's an imaginary cannon, people. I don't have one in my backyard. I'm just going over this as an example. Please, get over it. I've been gone a while, but yeah, no. Anyway, though some people would think I have one in my yard. Like one. Uh, I digress. Anyway, so, again, Let's start with the base. The body is the same between a release shooter and a finger shooter. Doesn't make a difference. Your form, your stance, all that is the same. It should be the same. Actuation of that release with the rest of your body has to be consistent. Now, remember I mentioned the things that go into it. So the first thing is the shoulder. The problem people run into with a mechanical release, is that they're kind of more prone to pull with their forearm instead of pulling with their shoulder. If you teach somebody to shoot fingers properly, they're going to learn that the forearm must be relaxed. The fingers must be placed into almost a monkey paw form where it's kind of flat for the back of the hand. It grabs on and... It just is relaxed, and you're pulling with your shoulder, okay? Now, you learn when you're shooting a recurve or fingers if you're shooting a compound like a Genesis that if you start pulling with your arm, when you release, you're going to wind up doing what we call the pluck, where your hand comes away from your face, wildly in some cases, and causes the impact and trajectory of the arrow to be something other than where you really wanted it to go. Why? Because it's not a smooth release. There's tension in the wrong place. And now, if you can picture it, that straight line, which is what you're kind of like pulling back a rubber band to let it go, because if you think about it, a bow is just a sideways rubber band. You're pulling it back, and if you pull it back crooked, it's going to go out crooked. So now you put a release in that same person's hand. But they're pulling with their forearm. Goes out crooked. It still goes out crooked. If you hold to the same thing of being able to relax that forearm and pull with your shoulder, same result. 
straight down the middle. So, you know, I kind of wish I had like a visual map where all of a sudden I light up the different heat points. So we've gone from the fingers to the hand where the release is sitting or just the fingers are sitting on the string. We've gone to the forearm, so we just lit that little picture up. And now we're moving to the elbow and the angle of the elbow. So if you're listening to me right now, one of the things I want you to do, humor me for a second, is just to take your, your, your right arm, or if you're a lefty, your left arm, take your arm and stretch it all the way out at your side, so you know, pointing away from you, just like you'd be now fold it down towards your face like you would be when you're taking your position to draw with your bow and bringing it to the full draw and anchor. Okay. Now, take that same elbow and jack it up as high as you can go. What I want you to try to do now is try to move the elbow in one. The whole arm becomes almost like a hairpin, if you think about it. Try to move that whole arm with it jacked all the way up. As one unit, try to pull that shoulder towards your spine. So you're pulling, pulling, pulling. I can't go anywhere. Now, lower the angle a little bit. Try it again. Hey, wait a minute. It's moving more as one unit. Keeping that hairpin form, it's moving more. Move it a little bit lower. It might move a little more. But then you move it a lower point. And you're back to where you were before, where it doesn't want to move at all. So that point where it moves the most as one unit, where you can actually move it as all one piece and pull your shoulder blade towards your spine, okay, that is the optimal height for where your elbow should be. And you'll see a lot of people, whether they're shooting compound or shooting recurve, fingers, or release, have that sucker jacked up so high that there is no way they could ever engage their back muscles properly. Remember when I said it's not just a release, it has to do with proper form and execution? Well, now that we've got that whole arm lit up as the part we're talking about, we have to be at the right angle. And everybody is different. I'm going to stress that again. Everyone is different. So you have to keep that arm angle right. And you'll find where it is for you. Some people it's going to be higher. Some people it's going to be lower. No two people are the same. The thing I hate is when people stress this rigid form idea. Bubba, if people aren't the same, no two people are built exactly the same. Even if the same height, weight, build, and all that, their muscle structure could be different. Some people can rotate a shoulder higher than others. Some people have more flexibility. Girls tend to be double-jointed. So find that perfect height for your elbow. Now, if we learn that and we practice that, every single time we're going to have what? The big C word. Not the one you're thinking. Consistency. Now, like I said, that's extending that release. You're making it the part of your arm. Now, it's actually able to rotate. You're able to shoot with tension in the back because that's where you're loading all the tension to. And that's the only way if you do that properly 
that you're not holding all the tension in your forearm. So, as you can see, if you were looking at that imaginary map, which if I ever get this YouTube thing going great, I'll build you one. We're lighting up the whole arm. We're keeping that hairpin sort of thing to determine where our shoulder height is. And we're able to pull back. So now we roll forward. Back to the hand. And whether you're shooting fingers or mechanical release, the next part I'm going to mention, you should probably pay a lot of attention to. There are some coaches, some YouTubers, I like to call those me-tours or whatever you want, don't get me started on them, who say, you must, under penalty of, I don't know, being ridiculed, Keep your hand with the palm flat to the ground. Okay. Others will be like, no, you must keep your hand against your face. Okay. If you're a finger shooter, they're going to tell you, you must keep that hand so flat that I could place a board against it and not see any gaps in between. Yeah, all right. The thing is, as I keep saying, no two people are built the same. They're just not. So if you rely on that principle that no two people are built the same, then you come up with one word. And when I teach recurvers, I really go into this word. It's accommodate, meaning make it work for you. What becomes comfortable for you will work for you. Just because somebody's drawing out a diagram or saying, this is the established form which you must have, does not mean it's going to work for you. And more times than not, it probably won't. And trying to force it to work is like trying to put a square peg in a round hole. It ain't going to work. It's going to wind up taking away from something else, like an arm angle, to make it work. So what do you do? Make it work for you. If you're a finger shooter that, for some reason, that lower finger just wants to drift a little lower than the other two when you're shooting split finger, or if you're shooting three fingers, three under, your lower finger wants to do something weird or whatever, That's okay, because as long as you can do it consistently, I'm not going to tell anybody, and actually, who cares? It's the result that they're looking for, not how it got there. So, if you're shooting mechanical release, and everyone's saying you have to be palm to the ground, well, your wrist might not fit that way. You know, George Rowell says, The segments of your arm determine everything on fit. So what segments comprise your arm, their lengths are all different. And unless you have an identical twin, they're probably not the same as somebody else's. Let alone the person who came up with the shooting system that's so rigidly being held to. 
Now, I've been gone for a while, and I really don't want to start on a bad note, but I'm going to tell those people who say that you got to be so rigid, kiss my ass. Ooh, did I actually say that? We'll just call them asshats. Ooh, I said it again. Okay, anyway, so like I'm saying, find what works for you. If it means that you have to be putting your face and bending at the wrist to accommodate it in there so it's comfortable and the segments of your arm add up to that when you turn it to the side that they would be too long and be too forward of your face then maybe bending the wrist is the way to do it as long as you're keeping it relaxed it really doesn't do anything bad putting it on the side of your face okay some of the best people who shoot in the world ask jeff hopkins did he ever shoot like that you know is he doing it wrong? The man can hit anything. He shoots with his hand turned all the way up. With his palm actually facing you. So he's anything but palm down. So we tell you never copy what someone else is doing. Because it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for you. However, do and try different things until you find the one that works for you as far as making it accommodate to you, making it work specifically for you. So whether or not that's putting it on the side of your face with a mechanical release or bending at your wrist and sticking it there to make that perfect triangle there, doesn't make a difference. Make sure it's comfortable for you. So again, if you look at it, we're trying to get everything in line so you can pull that string to set off the cannon. What's another thing that can affect it? Well, if you're shooting a mechanical release, you have to worry about the rocker position. How you're actually positioning the release and the release actuator, whether it's a button or if it's a back tension, however it is, how you're positioning that release in your hand so that it can go off. Now, most people wouldn't think that this applies to finger shooters, but it does. Because remember, your fingers are just a release. Here's the thing about that. If you put your fingers on the string, okay, and the fingers are either too deep or they're at a very rigid up and down angle, which you would think would be better, but not necessarily, then you need to find a way so that the fingers can hang in there and you might have to experiment with the angle at which your finger pads are on the string till you find the one that's right for you. When you find that, you'll find that relaxing the fingers as you let go instead of trying to physically open them is a snap. But if you have the wrong angle or the wrong rocker position for your fingers, when you try to relax them because that they're not put in the proper position that not is written in a book, but that is comfortable for your particular anatomy they're not all going to open so smoothly and you could wind up with a very very not so clean release a pluck effect a falling down effect where you're just dropping out of the release your elbows going down with it anything like that for the release shooter the mechanical release shooter it's very important to look at the jaw of the release and see which way it opens up. Does it open out from the inside? Does it open out from the, from the right side? Does it open up with a caliper that's in the middle? 
Because what happens is a lot of people watch the release angle. If you look at it in the mirror, and when you're looking at, say, if it's a D loop that's holding onto it with mechanical, you'll see that like it's almost pulling at like a weird angle. Well, guess what? Sometimes you apply the wrong pressure to those teeth, and they don't want to go off. Tension-based releases are famous for this. Because when you have a tension-based release, it acts and goes off when it hits a certain poundage and then all of a sudden release. But guess what? If the pressure that's creating that poundage, that's working against it, isn't on the right place within that jaw, you could pull like Samson on that thing and it won't go off. And tell me if you've ever used one of these things that you haven't seen that happen to you. I know because every time someone brings me a tension-based release, oh, look what I just got. I'm like, yeah, why? It's all still the same thing. Now, again, one thing is very important to, to do this with any coach out there. If someone brings you a release because they want to learn how to use it, the last thing you should be telling them is you're stupid or you're just wasting your money. Your job as a coach is to help them learn how to create their release solution that's going to work for them. And if you can't do that, then send them to somebody who can. So again, that has to do with the rocker position. And it's the same whether or not you're using a wrist strap, whether you're using a handheld or fingers, it all affects the ability for the release to go off. Fit is a very, very big thing. If you purchased a wrong size tab for a finger shooter, doesn't go off right, does it? So you have to make sure that you get something that fits you, that is customized to you. If you're a Joe Ad shooter or a younger person or even somebody who's paying a coach to train you, they should be able to customize that fit for you. If you're using a mechanical release, you want to get one that fits your hands. They are not one size fits all. I'm going to say that again. They are not one size fits all. If it is too small for your hand, you're not going to get it to go off right. If it's too big for your hand, you probably won't be able to get it to go off right. So make sure you find something that fits. Ideally, with a mechanical release, when you put it in that monkey paw formation, keeping your hand flat, okay? Because the one thing we never want to do is to have the knuckles of the hand start to bend into almost a triangle. Because if they do, you're going to wind up getting variation. Now, you're going to say, well, you just told us that we should make it any way you want. Yes. But you try to keep those knuckles as flat as possible, regardless of whether or not you're turning up your hand at your face, you're keeping it flat to the ground, whatever. This way, there's no variation with that. But the head of the release should stick out enough between your fingers so that there's enough room to fit into your anchor comfortably. Sometimes the only way to do that is take a piece of string, pull that release back, try to anchor, find your right, your right setup for it. Again, just like when you're learning everything about a new bow, you have to learn everything about a new release. If you get the chance to try before you buy, this is where that comes in. And it might take a little bit, but at least you can get the initial feel like this is going to work for me or this is not. If you try a large and it just feels bulky, bulky. if you try a a small and it feels too tiny, you go for a next size or maybe go on to another type of release. So again, fit. Rocker position, elbow position, 
being able to pull with your shoulder. Again, now all of a sudden, you're finding out this release is just plugged into a bigger machine. The problem is people learn about one little part of the machine, don't learn about the whole thing. So back to how a student can get to, to use both of them, which is how we started this whole thing, if they learn how to use their fingers shooting their bow, and all they do is add the release to it, but everything stays the same, voila, you can shoot both of them. No problem. Pull, 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 goes off. Now, the last thing I'm going to say about releases, because this is not going to be a very long podcast, though I've been going on for a little bit, is that every year they come out with different things on a release to help make it better for you. Or so they say. So some people, okay, different little features freak them out. Common thing, you're shooting a back tension release, it has a click. Some people start aiming, with aiming, 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 that click goes off, it gets the bow jumpy, they're like, oh my God, and then it throws them off their shot. Because that click is what tells you, hey, you're about to go off. Now, they just released a brand new release called the Click, and that one is a button release, but it has a click built into it. And the first thing I'm going to hear from people is, why we left back tension releases because we didn't want the click. Now, Joel Turner is talking all about this, how it lets you know that you're about to start your next shot sequence and all that. That's all well and good. That's fine. He's actually correct about what he's saying. But again, it's one of those things where if you're afraid of a click to begin with and you're not taught to recognize what the click actually is, then it's just going to screw you up. There are other releases that come with um, safeties on them so that you have to get the full draw, release the safety, and then you can shoot. I'm not fond of those. They're great for training people, but I'm not fond of them because sometimes you'll forget to take the safety off, get into your shot, and be like, "Mm, it's not going off. Yeah, pulling too much, and as you flick it off, boom, it goes off, or it makes you lose time, restart your shot process. So I'm not crazy about those. Not saying that they don't work for some people. They do great for a lot of people. But again, to each his own. It's all about what's your own flavor for it. So this whole new thing you're going to hear about this click release if you're going to learn how to use it the way it's intended, meaning when you get to the click, and this is the same thing, no matter what, for a back tension as well as this new click release. When you come back, because I know a lot of people are seeing that, like, oh, that's the next release I want to get. Well, before you get it, let me just tell you exactly how it's supposed to work. You set it so that when you come back to full draw and you start pulling, boom, You feel the click. Now, if you were doing this, like I said, with a back tension, the minute that click goes off, some people get frazzled. Why do they get frazzled? Because they're not looking at it as part of a system. You draw, anchor. Now, that click is meant to be start pulling, boom, the click goes off. Now, you start your aim. And now is when you start your firing sequence. Not before. A lot of people start their aim. Sure, something goes like that. It's like someone smack you in the back. 
it can frighten you. The same thing's going to happen with this click release if you don't know how to use it properly and understand that you're adding another component to the machine to enhance it. Again, you must understand all parts of the machine. You have to understand that the release, the mechanical release, or your fingers are the beginning part of the machine. Your fingers fit into the release, or your fingers are just shooting. They connect to the arm, which now starts the draw process. You find the right angle for your elbow. Your elbow can now pull, which creates the back tension, which can now cause a follow-through and results in it going straight. (coughs) Same thing, mechanical. Now, you have the mechanical connected to your fingers, and that's the only change. Everything else stays the same. Now, if you're going to use this click, all that's going to do is add another step. I draw, I come to anchor, I go click, boom, I start aiming, and I fire. So again, the whole missing link is people look at a release, whether it's their fingers or mechanical, and think that that's all it takes. If I learn to pull this sucker, it's going to be fine. (coughs) That's why you see people with shot trainers out there, and they think that the shot trainer is like, I'm just learning how to manipulate the release. Or God forbid, they put you on a blank bail. Like, you'll learn how to shoot better like this. Don't worry, it'll be fine. The reason they're putting you on a blank bail so you can learn how the release works, yes, but how you can tune it up with the rest of your form so it doesn't go off prematurely, so you know how much hand pressure is going to take to go off. If you're just shooting on a blank bail with your fingers, it's the same thing. You're learning how to get your fingers to execute properly. You can't really learn that with some of these shot trainers. You just can't. There's too much going on. You can simulate it as much as you want, but it's not going to be the same exact thing as your bow. I don't care what anyone says, what they come up with, or how much they make a shot trainer ridiculously priced for. So that's the whole gist of it. The release, whether it's your fingers or mechanical, is just one part of your whole release system. The missing link is how people don't realize that they have to connect it to everything else because it drastically affects their performance and how that release, whether it's your fingers or that enhancement that we just used by putting mechanical in there, makes it all work together. Then when you get that click release, you got to learn how to integrate that in there too. So that's it for this subject in this podcast because... I hope that helps people. And if you have a question about what I'm talking about, just email me. I always answer those. I'm trying to do videos right now. Here's my problem. I can do the video, but I want to put little words here and there, point out things, arrows, signs, you know, stuff like that. Editing them is a nightmare. So if anybody out there knows how to edit YouTube videos, Give me a buzz. We can use some help. Otherwise, I'll get them out there as soon as I can. I've been working on videos for months since I got back the first time from my extended departure. I'm still here trying to get as much done before, oh, I don't know. I go to answer my door and the Reaper stand there. You, you know what I'm saying. I just want to get it all done in as fast and efficient as possible, but I want it to be 
clear enough and concise enough so that y'all folks can understand it. Not just be like, what is he doing in that video? It's got to be so it works. So I want those videos to be extensions of this podcast. And we're going to work to make that happen. Even if it kills me. Anyway, it's time for our listener questions. Um, And our first question comes from John G. from Pontiac, Michigan. And he writes, hey, coach, it's been a long time since we heard anything. Contrary to popular reports, I'm still alive and still here. But, yes, it has been. I hope all is okay. Eh, so-so. I'm writing for for some help with my son shooting. At home, we can shoot up to 30 yards in our yard. But when he goes to competitions, he drops out of the target. Like all the time. Comes back home, and all is fine again. I can't figure out what's going on. I'm attaching a few pics of him shooting and just hoping he can point us in the right direction. Well, I took a look at a couple of pictures, and to be honest, his son's form didn't look bad at all. However, there is one thing, and I did email him back and have him try something for me. And perhaps all of you will realize this if you shoot in any tournament venues. This is why I encourage it, whether you're just a sports shooter or whatever, because it actually helps you out a lot. So if you're a hunter, if you're just the, the, the occasional shooter who does it for recreation, I still advise going to a, to a tournament, participating in some kind of competition and anyway, because there are certain things that you're going to find out in a competition that you wouldn't necessarily realize unless you went to one, and that can only help your form and your shooting. In the case of this young man, Here's the problem. The target at home, as opposed to the venues he's shooting at, because I did ask him about this, the target he's shooting at home is on the floor. Most people just take a bag target, drop it on the floor, and that's where they're shooting it. Well, I don't know if you realize, Snoopy, but when you go to a competition, and I'm not making fun of anybody, I just always want to use that line. When you go to a competition, the targets are all elevated. They're usually on target mats or wheels, and the center of the wheel, in case if it's like a USA archery or world archery, it's that center is usually about 48 inches off the ground. If you're shooting at a regular range, indoor range, targets still aren't on the ground. They're up elevated. And I asked him, I said, listen, did you go to any of them that were an indoor range, not just like a venue? And he's like, yeah, he still has the same problem. I said, is it? Does he do better if they're shooting tops and bottoms and he shoots the bottom? Yeah, he does. Well, here comes the problem. And this is the same thing that I tell people who are shooting 3D, okay, and are used to sighting in on bag targets. And when they go to shoot the animals, they're, you know, they're not real animals, people. Please calm down. Don't have a, don't have a fit um, for any of those who are listening for the first time. We don't shoot real animals at competitions. Um They sight in on the shooting bags. They go out into the range, and they're competing, and they're an inch or two off, things like that. Guess what? It's the same thing. See, if you practice on one thing, it kind of lends itself at one height. It'll lend itself to, especially shooting it on the ground, to bad form habits. One of those bad form habits is drawing at the target and just dropping your front arm instead of actually you know, adjusting your shoulders so that they're still level towards the target, which means sometimes if the 
if the arm in the front is going to drop down, you have to raise the rear hand so that the, the angle of the shoulders is still straight. When you're shooting at a target at a venue, it's elevated. Now, you take that same person who's been practicing on a bag target sitting on the floor, and they try to shoot at elevated target, they'll find that sometimes they can't even get up into the target because they're used to shooting with their arm pointed down so much that they got their complete shoulder jacked up. So they just need to learn how to aim, how to draw with the shoulder straight. And then they can either adjust for angle, lowering the front, raising the rear hand. The little teacup thing, you know, where you do the whole bending at the waist. If you're not a tree stand hunter, you can get away with it on the ground. If you're a tree stand hunter, trust me, you would appreciate more placing the front arm down, raising the rear hand up higher so that you can accommodate a straight shoulder. And in doing this, I had him practice just putting that bag on top of a trash can and shooting. And then they went down to the range and had, I had him shoot the top target. This is why they do tops and bottoms at ranges, smaller venues, so that the first couple of ends you'll be shooting the top and then shooting the bottom so that it makes it fair for everybody. And he wasn't dropping out of anything anymore. Again, it has to do with the situation he was put in. He was used to doing one thing. It was foreign to him. So he didn't do well at it, but once we fixed up what the problem was, everything was peachy. So that's what we're talking about, okay? Now, that'll do it for his question. Our last question comes from Gina H. from San Diego, California. Hi there. My daughter Mara and I, that's a nice name, Mara. If I ever had a kid, I would think I would name her Mara. Too late for that one. Uh, My daughter Mara and I have been listening to your podcast since a friend told us about it a few months back. It's helped us in all sorts of ways. I'm glad to hear that. But we couldn't find anything on what to do with Mara's main issue, which is dropping out of the target almost immediately. Hmm, Sounds like the other one I just went over. I mean, she can't stay there. Once she's in the center, she either drops or fires with a really bad punch effect. Oh, that's something else. She's 15 and has been shooting for six years. So she's not new at this. This is something she's been doing for a while, and this is something that either has been happening for a while or is just getting worse. But this has been getting steadily worse. There it goes. Uh, Is it her form or her equipment? Anything you can suggest would really be appreciated. Okay, so you hear something like this. She gets into into the center and drops out or just punches really bad, and the first thing you think of is what? Target panic, TP, the evil word. So I emailed them back. I said, do me a favor. Send me a quick video. Three different angles, you know, side, rear, that sort of thing. And this was evident that it was all about alignment. And her front shoulder was really, really jacked up. So I actually talked to them and I said, let me ask you something. You said it's been getting steadily worse. And I say, steadily worse like over the last couple of weeks or steadily worse over the last couple of months or steadily worse over the last couple of years? It's been getting steadily worse over the last year from what she told me. And then I looked at the video again. I had her send me some other pictures and I said, when's the last time that she had her draw length looked at? Oh, she she 
she's grown like two inches in the last year, but a little growth took her. But no, we haven't looked at that. So her daughter was doing what we call accommodating. I wish more people would be accommodating, but this type of accommodating is not good. So what happened is she got bigger. Her wingspan got bigger along with her. And instead of not doing something wrong, she tried to accommodate. So now all of a sudden the bow and the draw was too short for her. But what she did was she jacked up her front shoulder to make it come in more to make it fit. I've seen people that once I correct this sort of thing, I might have to extend their draw length by an inch or two. An inch or two. Doesn't sound like much, but trust me, on a draw length, that's a lot. So fortunately, she was shooting a PSC, I believe it was. Which one was it? Um, I think it was a Stinger X or something like that. And I just had her say, do you know how to change the draw length? And I usually, I don't get involved in tuning stuff or mechanical stuff over the phone, but we did a Zoom call and I said, all right, undo this screw here. Yeah, slide that there. Open it up. Eh, four letters. We did. We took her draw length from a 24 inch to a 26 and a half. Two and a half inches. I figured if it's too long, we can always shorten it up. Yeah, no. It was, I wasn't psychic, but it was 26 and a half. All of a sudden, her shoulder's not jacked up anymore. So she was accommodating it, like I said, Bad accommodating. She was accommodating it all this time, and it steadily got worse over the year because she kept growing, and it kept on crunching more, and because she's got her shoulder jacked up, guess what? She couldn't stay in the target. And in an effort, and I actually asked her this, in an effort to try to hit the bullseye, the minute she saw any peak of yellow, boom, she just let it go. Again, trying to make the system work for her, which is not bad. But what they didn't notice, and I asked her if she had a coach, and she does. Shame on you, sir. Shame on you. He never bothered to look at the problem. Instead, all he kept saying to her was, you'll get over it. Needless to say, she's been shooting for the last two weeks and doesn't have a problem. Again, sir. Shame on you. Which brings me to... Don't be that guy. Now, last couple times that I did this, I used that sound effect. People sound said I sounded like anything from a really, really bad echo to trying to say don't be that guy while sticking my head in a toilet bowl. So we're not going to use it again, but if anyone can come up with a nice sound effect for don't be that guy, hey, I'll do it. But... This week's Don't Be That Guy. It's not going to be a crazy one. I'm figuring it's been a while, so let's not get all that crazy in one day. But here's a simple one, and one that I see all the time, and students and shooters of literally all ages. And I was thinking of what the subject would be for this week's Don't Be That Guy when I heard of this young lady's coach who didn't bother realizing that she had a jacked up shoulder and just told her, it's in your head, you'll get over it. So if you ever shoot with someone that has it all going for them in their game, 
then suddenly they just can't put it together one day. I mean, they go from zero to 100 on the scale of losing it, freaking out, oh my gods, that sort of thing. It happens, believe me. More than you probably think. But in most cases, their coach, again, shame on you, sir, or their teacher, or whoever they go to, whoever they, they go to for help, will just tell them, grin and bear it, or it's in your head, or you'll get over it. That they can just get through it. That it's all going to be fine. Do these lines all sound familiar? Gee, I hope not, because if they do, then maybe there's a little problem. But the next day, you know, when it's all supposed to be fine, the same thing keeps happening. And then it gets worse. Well, this episode's Don't Be That Guy goes to the person who just told them. It's in your head. Buck up, dude. Or even worse, goes and gets on the case for it. So don't be that guy who just assumes it's all in their head. Actually try to help them for a change. Because the deeper you keep on reinforcing this, it's in your head, the worse you're going to make them. I deal with a lot of kids starting at like eight years old shooting in Joad, who if you told them something like this, you'll get over it. It's in your head. You know what you're going to do to them? You're going to make them neurotic. For real. You're not trying to help them. You're just telling them, don't worry, it's all you. It's not the bow. So all I'm saying, don't be the guy who does that. Or the girl. Doesn't make a difference. Don't be that person. We'll use that instead. Don't be that person who automatically your first response is, it's in your head. Grin and bear it. Get tough. Adapt and overcome. Yeah, no. You have to take the time to look to see at the whole picture. If they're having a problem with the release, check everything that's going on with the release. Set too heavy. The rest of the release solution is not in place. Not pulling with their shoulder. Pulling with the hand. Don't have the monkey paw position for, for the blade of their hand. Bending at the knuckles. Front shoulder jacked up. Could be anything. But your default answer should not be, get over it. You'll get better. Because that is the definition of the word insanity. Letting them do the same thing over and over again. And the insanity is on your part because you expect a different result. So don't be that guy, girl, person who does this sort of thing. Honestly, if you can't figure it out, maybe you should find someone who can help you. Sometimes a different set of eyes will help you realize something that you're not seeing. Perhaps because you're too pig-headed or too stupid or too dim or just don't care enough. And if you can't find anybody else, email me. I'm happy to help. And I'll probably get 1,500 emails tomorrow saying, I need help with this, I need help with that. It may take a while for us to get back to you, but we will. So anyway, that'll do it for this rant of don't be that guy. 
It wasn't too hyper. I tried not to hit too many high pitches. And I'm trying not to scare anyone. I am still here. I would like to remain here for a while, so adding to my blood pressure issues and a bad heart is not going to help. Anyway, what's coming up? More podcast episodes will be released this week. I'm sorry. I apologize a thousand times. 10,000 lashes my way. I'm going to get back to regular releases again. I'm going to put some YouTube videos together again. Try to get those uploaded. If it kills me, it might kill me, and then you won't hear anything about this again, but we'll try not to. Yeah. Anyway, enough of the comedy portion of the show. If you have any questions, please email us, highpowerarchery at gmail.com. Visit our website, www.highpowerarchery.com. Drop us a message there. You fill out the form if you have any questions. If you're in the New York area and you're looking for training, look me up. I can probably help you or point you in the direction of someone near you who can help you, who's not a total ignoramus, and who's not that guy or girl or person and won't do these sort of bad things to you. I don't recommend bad people. Yeah, did I really just say that? Yes, I did. Who cares? Anyway, like I said, email us, fill out the form on the website, contact us. We have some events going on the next couple of weeks. Um, Also have, if you're in the Staten Island area, we have a crossbow instructional course. Heresy, yes, he says, crossbow. Shooting is shooting. Okay, people? And there are people who can only shoot a crossbow. There are people who like to shoot only crossbows. If it gets you out of the house and makes you happy, I'm all for it. The worst part about the sport of archery, and people will say crossbows aren't archery, don't care. The worst part about outdoor sports in general is that we eat our own, as Greg Poole always famously says. So if... Shooting a crossbow makes somebody happy? Or is the only way they can shoot an arrow or a bolt, if you want to call it? Some people get on me calling it an arrow. More power to you. But we're doing an event on July 2nd at Willowbrook Park. And anyone who wants to be a part of it just needs to register on the DEC website. You can email me for more information. That's just coming up uh, on July 2nd. We'll have other advanced archery courses that we put on for free, and we'll be sure to list those on our website. So... Until next time, just remember, it's never goodbye. It's only until we see you again. Till then, shoot straight and stay safe. Thanks for listening, folks.